Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. All right, we're in our words. You're going to jump into, in our words, in our Bibles. Um, yes, my name is Katie Hart and I haven't actually introduced myself. That's random, isn't it? Um, I am the C3 College lecturer. I teach, I used to teach End Times Angels and Demons. That was fun. <laughs> That's where I started. I got a call from Pat Ancliffe and I was super excited. And he's like, do you want to teach college? And I'm like, yes, I want to teach college. And he's like, do you want to do end times angels and demons? And I was like, no. <laughs> but then, you know, when God opens the door and you're like, are you sure, Lord? So that was my first course that I taught 15 years ago. It was very funny. I am so honored to be here, James and Tammy. I adore these guys. And I'm secretly super jealous that you have them because we want them back. Uh, we so love you. With all, You're not getting them back, I know. We so love you. Um, Tammy, when I started as a PA, was the first face I got to see at the church and I just loved working with you. And she was so calm and I was in PA that was a panicker and I'm like, Tammy, what are we doing? It's okay, Katie. You're calm. You're such a beautiful light. And James, I adore you. Your wisdom and your authority, you are a brain that the church needs. You think outside the box, you think in ways that the church hasn't thought. You're like the Paul. And every, all the, the you know, Jewish people are like, what? We can't do that. And Paul's like, yeah, I'm going after them. I'm going after the Gentiles. I love that about you. So I'm so honored to be here. Let's jump into Genesis, guys. I'm, you're going to be in 32. I'm going to meet you there in a couple of minutes. So um, just, youth, you've got your Bibles. So jump into Genesis 32. It's the first book in the beginning. Um, what we're going to talk about today is truth because the pas- my passion of my heart is this. When um, Trash Your Bible started with a prophecy and um, for two years God prophesied over me uh, through numerous pre- people including my flatmate uh, who would get these visions of this website that trained people in the word of God but the issue was I didn't feel confident in myself to do it. Has there, have you ever had a vision from God and you're the issue? <laughs> It's not God. It's like, I know you can do that, but I'm not sure I can actually do that. It wasn't my faith or my lack of faith in God that was the issue for the first two years of not doing it. It was my lack of faith in myself. I didn't believe that I could jump in front of a camera. I'm an introvert. I'm shy. I, I, when I get super nervous, I actually start to stutter a little bit. And so what I had to do was really get this passion for the word. Why am I super passionate about this? I started Trash Your Bible because somebody came up to me in church and I said, oh my gosh, I'm going to start a Bible company that produces really cool looking Bibles. I'm going to do a website. And he said to me, which was such a God setup, oh yeah, the Bible I think is unnecessary for Christianity today. And I stopped and he said, oh no, I just pray and, and I can get it on Sunday. I don't need it during the week and I went home and I prayed and I said to God not on my watch not while I am on this earth will this become irrelevant for Christianity today not on my watch I will get out there I will preach the gospel I'll get over my introvert nature and that was the kick up the bottom that I needed to go right I'm doing this (laughs) do you, you know anyone need a kick up the bottom this morning get your eyes off yourself and start looking at the people that need it that's what I had to do. I was like, oh, Katie, I can't do it. And then um, God's like, look at them. So Trash Your Bible is all about that. We're going to talk about the truth. This word truth has been thrown around today. You know, truth is relative. Truth is what your emotions tell you. Truth is this. As Christians, the word of God has to be our truth. 
It has to be our barometer. It has to be this thing that says, no, 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 society, we love you. No, 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 culture, we love you. No, 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 emotions. This is the word of God and this determines my life. If you are guided by your emotions and you are guided by what people around you say, it's going to go up and down. We need to have a truth line. I Look at John 17, 17. This is, you don't need to go there just yet. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. If this morning your boat is spinning and you don't know which way is up, get the word of God as your anchor and go true north again. Because when you lose your true north, you start sailing over into places that God doesn't want you to sail. That's why when I read my Bible every morning, I'm like, this is my true north. This is Jesus. This is where he's going. This is his kingdom. This is what's happening. And I get my spinning boat sailing back in the right direction. The other thing, scripture says, John 8, 31, 32. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, that word abide, what does that mean? Live. <laughs> Stay in it. I love that. You are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. If you need to be set free this morning, this is it. For me, I had a, a, a pretty bad emotional breakdown about 10 years ago and I lost uh, the ability to really process things. I had an emotional breakdown. I lost my nephew um, and my anyone else. My emotions just got the better of me and I went to bed, basically. <laughs> and I just went to bed. And I slept with the Bible on my chest because it was my truth. Everything in my head was telling me it was hopeless. Everything in my head was telling me I had no future. Everything in my head was telling me that God's not good and he's horrible and he's not loving and he's not kind. And I had to get the anchor back. I had that. This is why I'm passionate about the word of God because it was the anchor of the word of God that set me free. So, okay, two, two hows, two whys. First, I'm gonna do two whys if you're taking notes. Two why we read the Bible and then two how we read the Bible. It's really important for you to know why we read the Bible. For me to say, read your Bible, it's not good enough. When you get a revelation of the power of this book, you will read it without me having to tell you to read it. When you get a revelation of how important this is in your life, you will read it. So I'm going to go two hows, two whys first. Number one, information to revelation. Information is what we give you on Sunday. We are giving you information. We are giving you information is taught. What I want you to get is revelation. Revelation is when you catch that vision. Information is something in, that I can speak to your head, but I don't want this Bible just to speak to your head. I want this Bible to be in your heart. And that means you are going to have to read it and wrestle with it. If this is just a, a text information to you, this, this book doesn't lo almost loses its power. It doesn't lose its power because it's always living and active. But what we want is this book to be living and active in your hands. Let's jump into Genesis 32 and explain this. The process that I want you to get to is taking this from information and as you wrestle with the Bible in your prayer time and in your time in the Word, it becomes revelation. That's when we get the transformation. Okay? There's a threefold process. Genesis 32, 22. This is Jacob wrestling with God. I love this. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives cultural shift there but that's okay um has everyone read the bible and you're like cultural shock moment <laughs> i love it um he's two female servants and he's 11 sons and crossed the ford of the jabbok i just still think that that sounds like star wars but that's okay uh, <laughs> after he had sent them across the stream he sent over all his possessions so jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak 
When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Some of you need to get a tenacity with your Bible and say, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Some of you are kind of reading it and it's great, but we want you to wrestle the revelation out of it. Let's keep going. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. Four four things, actually five things I want you to get out of this, this text. Number one, be ready to wrestle with the text. A girl came to me when I was preaching in Hobart and she said, I don't read the Bible because it's a misogynist text that hates females. And I said, great, okay. I said, but how about we wrestle with that? Maybe you've read a couple of things and it it didn't align with you. Go again. Maybe there's something in there that, that shifted the way you thought. Go again. It takes the wrestle, lean in and engage with it. Number two, it takes time. You are going to have to put some time away. And can I say, and I said this to your youth, this Bible is allowed outdoors. It is. Shock horror. (laughs) This is why we made them look super cool. So it just looks like you're kind of journaling in a cafe. I read mine when I was working full time and I was studying at night doing my degree. I would get to work super early. I would be in my car 20 minutes early and I'd read my Bible. And I just sit in my car with my music on, in the car park, just about to go into work. And you can make time for this. If you're a mum, my sister's a mum of four kids and she's like, when am I going to read the Bible? She drops the kids off at school and then she just drives into a car park or somewhere pretty and she just reads it in her quiet time when there's no kids around. You've got to make time for this Bible. Number three, you are wrestling for the blessing. You're not just reading a textbook. You are wrestling for the blessing. Number four, it will change your nature. Anyone had that moment where the word of God transforms your nature? Uh, You know that moment where you're reading it and you're like, oh, I actually don't do that. (laughs) Where it says forgive and you're like, and you feel it go, do you forgive? I love that moment where the word of God transforms who you are and changes. And this is what happened with Israel. He got his name changed and his whole nature changed. When he wrestled with God, his hip, the way he walked changed. Wrestle with your Bible to the point of transformation. Number five, That encounter will change the way you walk. Okay, number two. So number one, information to revelation. Number two in the why. Understanding promise and power. This is pretty big for me. If I know my Bible like a collection of memory verses, I know the promise, but not necessarily the power to fulfill it. Let me explain that. I know the end result, therefore there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but I've forgotten that there is a therefore before that. What does therefore mean? Everything I've just said, therefore, there is now no condemnation. If you're struggling with battling with identity and and condemnation, you're standing on that promise, and that's brilliant because you're standing on a memory verse. Read the whole chapter or the whole book, and it will give you the power to fulfill that promise. Let me explain that to you. James 4, 7. Let's go there. James 4, 7. This is why we say in Trash Your Bible, we binge books, we don't binge memory verses. Okay, we are a book by book Bible um, program. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves then to God. Leave it up there for me, guys. 
Resist the devil and he will flee. I have heard time and time and time again Christians saying, resist the devil, resist the devil and he will flee. Resist the devil. Have you heard that? I'm resisting the devil and he's not fleeing. What's happening? You forgot the power of the promise. <laughs> You're reading it out of context. Where, what is the power in the resist the devil and he will flee? Submission. Submission. He's not fleeing from your resisting. He's fleeing from your submission. When I submit myself to God, when I submit that sin or that hard life or whatever, whenever I give that, that heartache to God, that is when the power of God comes on that and all I've got to do is resist the devil and he will flee. Can you see that if you're only reading the Bible in memory verses, you're missing the power components? Does that make sense? Let me show you another one. Romans 8.1. If you are in my Bible college class, you will know that if you miss a therefore, you haven't found out what it's there for, okay? <laughs> Every time I put an exegesis, let's have a look, and I'm like, let's exegete this. What's the key word? And they all go, therefore. It basically means because of what I've just said. Romans 8.1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If I'm not reading Romans 1-7... to and finding the security of my salvation, the security of what Christ has done in my life, the security of being empowered by the Holy Spirit, the security of everything that Romans unpackages, and I get to, therefore, there is no condemnation, my brain is not going to have the evidence to process that promise. You hearing me? What I've actually got to do is, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Why do you have no condemnation? Because Christ Jesus has set me free. Because of everything Romans 1 to 7. Now, I'm not saying that if you read Romans 8, it doesn't have power. It absolutely does. But Paul wants you to know all that he's done. Imagine getting to heaven and saying, hey, Paul, great letters. I read you know, a couple of verses. That would be embarrassing, right? I cannot wait to get to heaven and go, Paul, I need to talk to you about Galatians. What the heck is it? I need to talk to you about Romans. When you get to heaven, he's unpacked. Because Paul's what? He's a lawyer. Any lawyers in the room? He unpackages. We love, I have a legal background, so I love to step you through and I'll unpackage and I'll put all the details in there. And I'll, That's Paul. He puts everything, power in there, everything in there, so that by the time you come to Romans 8, therefore, you are very strong, confident and secure in your salvation. And now I can say, therefore, there is no condemnation. If you suffer with condemnation, find out what Christ did for you. And it's the remedy. Okay, lastly, Ephesians 6, 10. I love this. We all want to jump to Ephesians 6, 10, warfare. You know, all the intercessors, we love these scriptures. But the first um, verse, the first word in Ephesians 6, 10 is finally. If you were in my class and you fell asleep and we were going to do an exam on that session and I said, finally, you're going to fail the exam. I'm just saying, because I am on my last point. So in here, in Ephesians, Paul says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What has he done in Ephesians 1 to 5? He's told you about your identity, who you are in him, who you are, what you have. You are holy, you are chosen, you are blameless in Ephesians 1 to 5. And therefore, in Ephesians 6, he says, finally. War from the point of strength in your identity. Don't war from the point without that identity. You hearing me? 
if you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't know what he's done for you, if you don't know that you are holy and blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, sometimes your warfare can be quite hard. What he's saying is war from a strength of identity. Okay, they're your two whys. Let's go with your two hows. Are you ready? Context, context, context. If you are in my class, this is your word. Um, KFC did this. This is pulling the scriptures out of context. KFC went to China and did a slogan. Instead of finger licking good, KFC ended up saying, eat your fingers off. The translation went a little awry. Sometimes when you pull the Bible out of context, you can make it say some weird stuff. Anyone heard preachers and you're like, whoa, that was not what it's supposed to say. Electrolux. Swedish Electrolux launched an American advertising campaign that said nothing sucks like an Electrolux. <laughs> they probably saw it and was like, oh no, that's not what we want to say. It's like trash your Bible. <laughs> we had an American and they're like, trash your Bible? And I was like, yeah, no, it's not going to translate over there. So sorry. Okay, number one, context. I want you to wrestle with the author. When you are reading your Bible, author. Think about who wrote it. Think about John. Go into the Gospel of John. I love John. That's why I'm doing my doctorate in Revelation. I just, uh, I just love everything about him. He's prophetic and biblical. He's just so amazing. When you look at the book, book of John, he calls himself what? Does anyone know? Beloved. The beloved disciple. The only way that John is able to get away with this is because all the other disciples are dead. <laughs> he's like, I'm 90, you know, I'm in the end, 95, 18. He's like, I'm going to write my gospel and I'm going to call myself the beloved disciple. Can I say, don't remove your pe the personality from the Bible. Some people preach the Bible so boring and I'm like, no, it's not boring at all. John is funny. He has a running race at the end of his gospel. Have you read it? The pinnacle moment where Jesus has died on the cross and, he's, and they're going to the tomb and John, the typical boy, decides to do a running race with Peter and then at the end of the running race, read it, it's in John 20, he says, and by the way, I did actually get to the tomb first but Peter actually went in. Why? Because the other gospel says that Peter goes into the tomb <laughs> and so he corrects, no, 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 we did, I got there first but I stopped and then Peter went in. It's the biggest boy moment on the history because it's like, let's focus here. John, we really care about the resurrection, not who won the running race, let's be honest. But the Bible has so much personality. Let the authors have their personality. What's another personality? We've got um, James. When you read James 1, 1, it says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think about the James, the brother of Jesus that didn't actually believe in Jesus being the Messiah when he was alive. And now he's writing, James 1.1 says, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't say James, the brother of Jesus. He says, I am a servant. What revelation did he have to have to come to the point where he called his brother the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you want me to tell you the revelation? It says in the Gospels that Jesus came back and when he raised from the dead, he went to his brothers first. Imagine that moment, his unbelieving family, <laughs> he turns up and he's like, hey guys, my college student did a little skit once on with, um, what are they called, like little Lego men, and it was James and Jesus when Jesus came back and he was being a big brother and he's like, James, I'm here, and he's shocking him. That revelation of Jesus resurrected made him realise that everything Jesus said was true. And he gets to the point where he, re where he can say, not my brother, but Lord Jesus Christ. Quite an amazing. So number one, author. Date. Please know when it's written. 
2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8. We did this in college this week and all of the students, including myself, were bawling our eyes out. Let's have a look at this. 2 Timothy 4, 6 to 8. Have we got that one, guys? Yep, amazing. 2 Timothy is written uh, right when Paul is aware that he's been martyred. Okay? So he is very aware that in, in 1 Timothy, it's a little couple of months before. So in 1 Timothy, he's quite positive. In 2 Timothy, he's, he is aware that he's about to go and be killed. And he says this. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. Ah, it makes me cry because I know the background. (laughs) And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. When you know that this is actually the final words of Paul, you realize the value of what he's saying. Run your race. Run it well. And that's what an old man sitting in a prison cell in Rome, looking back at his life and he's going, yeah, I did it well. That's my goal. Anyone else? To get to the end of my life and go, yeah, I did it well. I'm going to step into glory. I'm so excited to be going to heaven, but I did run my race well. This is the value of knowing date and background. Look at Philippians 4, 4 4-7. Background. It's really important in your text, guys, and this is a bit of a Bible college moment, I realise. It's really important to your text to know what's happening. Let me give you an example of this in everyday life. If I picked up an email and read it to you and it said this, every day in every situation you are to wear a mask. You are to not be 1.5 metres apart from everybody else. You are to make sure that when you walk into certain situations, everything has to be sanitised. You have to wash your hands twice a day and sing happy birthday twice. You have to do all that. And then I took that letter and put it in my culture today. And I stood up and said, without knowing the background, are you hearing me? Without knowing that that letter was written into a time of pandemic, and I pulled it into this culture and said, everybody has to wear masks. And everybody has to do this. Sometimes with the biblical letters, it's really good to know what time they're writing so you understand why they're writing it. I can understand why mask and all of that sort of stuff. It seems confusing to me and culturally weird to me, but if I put it back in its context, it's right. That makes sense? So when you put the Bible verses back in their context, they're right. So that's, that's your um, context. Number two, culture. Let's go. And then we'll finish up. How you doing? You Okay. The Bible college teacher <laughs> here. John 14.2. Jump into John 14.2 with me. It's a gospel, guys. John 14.2. My number one key with my students when I teach them is don't westernize the text. What does that mean? It is definitely written for you, but it's not necessarily written to you. It's written into a culture. It's written into a time. If you don't understand that culture and that time, sometimes it's quite offensive. Uh, especially the ancient Near East. Now, in John 14, 2, and I'm going to freak you out a little bit, James. I'm sorry. Um, this may be. Let's go. John 14, 2 says, in the New King James Version, let me read it to you. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Right? Mansions. What do we imagine mansions today in Western culture? Huge house, Right? And what am I doing? I'm bringing it in and we're all waiting to have that Palm Beach house in heaven, aren't we? And mine's going to have right on the beach and it's going to be huge. 
But in a culture that didn't value individualism but valued community, is that correct? In a culture that didn't say, this is my house and I love my house and, I w and that's the reward of heaven, we've westernised our thinking onto the Bible. Okay, If you read that in John 14, 2 in the NIV, it says, My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you I'm going to prepare? What he's actually saying is, you are so loved and accepted into this family, you have a room in the father's house. Not your own individual dwelling where you don't get to see Jesus anytime. No, even though you know, we all want that. You, have a, you are so loved. I'm going to prepare a room for you. Why? So that we can all be together and eat together and you are so valued in this community that you get your own room. Can you hear the difference of westernising it and then putting it back into the culture? Lastly, Genesis 41. My first essay at Bible college, I did this. Genesis 41, this is about um, Joseph and he's getting ready. I'm going to read, just for time's sake, I'm going to read 41.14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. This is when he's in prison. He's being brought from the dungeon. When you read the Bible and it's a random statement, stop. Okay, think about it. And it says, when he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. That's random, right? It's like saying, and when he changed his underwear, he came before Pharaoh. It's the most random. When I was reading it, I was like, why do we care that he shaved and changed his clothes? Because if you have a look at the culture of the time, if you went before Pharaoh hairy, he wouldn't even look at you. When you went before Pharaoh, you had to be hairless. So that shaved and changed his clothes wasn't, I'm going to shave and change my clothes for us Westerns, Westernizers who like this text. It's actually cultural. What it means is he removed himself of his Hebrew identity and went before Pharaoh as Egyptian. That's massive for Joseph. He removed himself of a Hebrew culture that values hair, values the beard, and he went before Pharaoh. He had to step into the destiny of God by removing his Hebrewness and stepping in as an Egyptian. That's a huge call if you value your beard. On your feet, guys. So hopefully I've encouraged you this morning to go a little bit deeper in your Bible, to go a little bit deeper in this text. Can I say... Um, there's some, I was going to say there's some great resources out there, including Trash Your Bible. It's a good website you can probably use. But the thing about the Word of God is this, church, we need to hold on to truth. In, in, a, in a society that is telling us to shift truth, we love, we are grace-filled, but there's a line that says, no, 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 we don't shift this. This is truth. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word that is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. What does that mean? It, it lights up our daily step and it lights up our future. I pray right now for your beautiful Holy Spirit to anoint this house as a house of the word of God. Not judgment, not, not, but the house of the word of God. Love, grace and truth with a society that needs truth because that is what sets them free. I pray that once again we would recommit to picking up our Bibles, picking up that, that due north that, 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 that says this, this is the way I'm going and Lord, we would stand strong in it. 
Holy Spirit, right now, anybody who, that is believing lies, I'm just going to take another couple of minutes, guys. There's lies in your head that you're worthless, you're not this, and, and you need the Word of God to come in and change it. You cannot change it yourself. There are lies from Satan that have been planted to stop you from doing what you're called to do. You need the sword of the Spirit to come in and say, no more. Some of you need to pick up your sword again and say, I'm not going to believe that lie in my head. I'm not going to believe that I'm worthless. I'm not going to believe that that everything's going to go wrong. I'm going to believe the Word of God and it is the truth. So if that's you this morning, just... Um, maybe just respond to God and say, Lord, right now we are going to believe the truth of the word over the lies in our head. I thank you, Father God, that this word would be truth over this church in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.